0: everybody, this is Jason. What's up guys, this is Dave. And welcome to another Renew Church Leaders Podcast. We are joined today in the Renew Studio with Courtney Eagle. Hey guys. Everybody say hi to Courtney.
1: Hey. <laughs>
0: that, that was everybody, that was Dave. Yeah. That's everybody here. That's big crew. <laughs> and uh, we are here to do more highlights from 2018, specifically our Renew Gathering speakers. That's what we've been doing in season two of the podcast. Um, and Courtney happened to be in town. She is on spring break uh, from school. Where do you go to school?
1: Yeah, I go to school at Auburn University.
2: Boo! Yeah. I'm sorry. I haven't said anything this whole time. Wow. I'm kidding. Okay. I'm from Alabama. Okay, I'm not the biggest sports fan, but when I do watch football,
0: you root it's against okay. Auburn. It's Crimson
2: Tide. <laughs>
1: That's okay. It's okay. We can still be friends.
0: I know. Yeah. Courtney also happens to do uh, social media at Renew, which if you have found us by way of Twitter or Instagram or even some cool posts that we've had on Facebook, that is Courtney's handiwork. Thank you for that, Courtney. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about if you haven't found us on Twitter or Instagram, Courtney, where would, how, how do they look us up?
1: Yeah. So we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So you can search renew.org, the Renew Network, um, any of those. And please like like and comment, um, follow us. And if you have any questions, email me, check out our website.
0: Cool. And it was great that Courtney happened to be around and could join us because we're going to hear from another woman who likes disciple making, Sydney Clayton today. That is the speaker from our Renew Gathering back in October that we're listening to. We actually all just watched it together to review and It was uh, pretty mm-hmm. strong.
2: Sydney's a great speaker.
0: She is. Every she time really I watch is. her, I'm like, man,
2: she's, I can't do that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> she is. Uh, she can, knows
2: her stuff. Yeah. yeah.
0: We can say she's equally yoked with her husband, Dave Clayton, who is the lead pastor at Ethos Church. And actually, together, the two of them are a good team. They uh, just took the city of Nashville, or at least 400 and some churches. In the city of Nashville, uh, through a prayer and fasting uh, time, called we called it Awaken Nashville. And Dave, you took part of that, right?
2: I did, man. Me and Summer both were praying and fasting. We both had our own list, and just going through it every day was really cool. I, I, I'm assuming that we're going to do this every year, right? I hope so. Starting off the year, praying and fasting for the city. Yeah, I'm just great.
0: I'm looking forward to uh, just the anecdotes and the the stories that come out of yeah uh, this this year's. I yeah. did it with my family, my kids. Uh, and it was really cool. I, I've had a little bit of experience with that disciplines of prayer and fasting, but to take the kids through it was really cool. And to see them uh, want to give up things like, you know, we we didn't want our kids, they're very young. We don't want them to give up whole meals, but um, they gave up things like sugar and candy. And my son just volunteered to stop playing video games for a time. And
2: man, that's cool. That's it was
0: very cool to see them uh, get into it. Um, Courtney, have you had much experience with prayer and fasting?
1: Yeah, I've kind of um throughout the years seen my parents fast, seen like our church leaders fast, and so I've I've started doing it um at school like once a week and my roommates gotten on board too and we've just seen God do some really incredible things um through fasting and through prayer.
0: Yeah, that's cool. So at Renew, we really believe that good biblical theology fuels disciple-making, and it's in one of our values that we say acknowledging the power of the Holy Spirit through prayer and fasting is where many good disciple-making movements begin. Uh, Sydney and Dave uh, prayed and fasted, uh, and they were directed to lead all these churches to pray and fast, and Sydney in this session is going to talk about the role of women uh, in disciple-making, why that's important, and how that can practically happen. Um, And so, yeah, this is going to be good. Thanks, Courtney, again for joining us. Let's take a listen to Sydney Clayton.
3: Good morning. I'm honored and excited to be with you today. Um, Usually on a Wednesday morning about this time, I am chasing around a three-year-old. So this is a great change-up for me. Yeah. Um, uh, It's always fun to be up here and talk with people about something you're really passionate about. And so I'm excited to be up here because I'm passionate about discipleship and especially discipleship with women. And I want to give you a little bit of background why. Um, Like some of you, I grew up in a home that believed in God, but didn't really talk about Him, definitely didn't pursue Him, and we maybe went to church Christmas and Easter. And that's what it looked like in our family. So when my family moved to Middle Tennessee when I was eight years old, My parents were very conscientious and they knew my brother was really susceptible to peer pressure and they found this small private Christian school and they decided, hey, we're going to put him there before middle school so that he has good moral influence. But it wasn't the Christian aspect. It was the moral aspect of it. And for me, they said, "Bah, you're fine. Go to public school. And they were right. They knew me. They knew their children. And I was fine. My extroverted self loved the boisterous environment of public school. Is that a kind way to say crazy? Right. Um, And so I I loved it. Had a great time. But through those families at the private school, we began to develop relationships. So when it came time for me to go to high school, that's really where I wanted to be. I tell you this because it's significant because of a family that I met there. My freshman year, I walk into science class and our teacher hands us those three by five lined index cards. You guys remember those before phones existed, right? And so first line was your name. Second one was your parent's name, the phone number. And the last two questions were, do you know Jesus? Do you want to know Jesus? And those two questions have changed the trajectory of my life. With those two questions, my science teacher and his wife took me in and discipled me. And they discipled me in the truest sense. I began to live life with them. They would pick me up for church. I would do things with them. And so seeing somebody intentionally disciple me, I got to see Jesus, his transformative power in many people's lives, but my life especially, watching him transform me, seeing other people love me well and change my life. And when I think about discipleship, it's not just that family, but I think about women. Specifically for me, I think about my grandmothers. You know, it's not just one family that discipled me, but multiple people. My grandmothers, both on my maternal and paternal side, were spiritually vibrant and alive. And in a time when the men in my life were spiritually apathetic or dead, I was dependent upon those women to be spiritually vibrant. See, I saw my grandmothers go into their community and love people well. They read their Bibles. They prayed with people who were hurting. They rejoiced and celebrated well when people had good things happen, they served in their church. And when I would go and visit with them, like in the summers, they would take me along with them. And in their way, they were discipling me as well. So when I think about my journey of discipleship, I don't just think of one person, I think of multiple people. And I'm sure a lot of you would say the same thing, right? So those women that I'm talking about, it's those women that have poured into me and women make up half of our world, right? And so when I think about discipleship, you've got to think about men and women. I think about, for my grandmothers, what they did is they changed our spiritual legacy. You look at Psalm 37, 18, the Lord knows the days of the upright and blameless and their heritage will abide forever. That's why we hear, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, you know, talk with your children about this even at night when they lay their heads down. You know, there's a spiritual legacy that gets laid down. But I believe spiritual legacy is not just for our bloodline. It's not just for those that you're related to. It's for those in the church as well. There's a spiritual legacy that occurs in our church when we're discipling people. And there's also a spiritual legacy for those that are lost, our family of lost people, right? So we're talking, when we say discipleship, we're talking about everything out there, including our women. Half the world is women, and we need to mobilize them. We need to teach them, and we need to release them, empower them to be impactful in the kingdom for God, right? So if half the women being part of the earth wasn't enough incentive, I'm gonna give you three reasons why I really view discipleship for women as something that's important. First of all, Christ. Second of all, the church. And third of all, culture. Start with the first one, Christ. If I start anywhere else, I'd kind of be jumping the gun. You know, I wanna look at Jesus, what He did. Let's look at what He modeled. You know, Jesus valued women. You just look at His ministry. He took time to talk to the woman at the well, right? Women traveled with Him and helped take care of His needs. What I really wanna point out though is what He modeled in Luke 10 at the home of Martha. You guys know that story of Martha and Mary. Martha's working her tail off in the kitchen, like where's Mary and where's Mary? at Jesus' feet. What's significant about that is in that time in the Jewish culture, students sat at the feet of the rabbi, of the teacher. And those students at the feet of the rabbi were his disciples. So when Jesus says, hey, hang on, she's right where she needs to be, he's saying, hey, she's gleaning from me. She's being discipled, she's taking in what what I'm saying here. Not only did Jesus model it, but he commanded it, right? We have already looked at it a couple times today, Matthew 28, you know, all power and authority is given to him. And he says, go out into the world, half of which is women, right? Go out into the world, right? Baptizing them, making disciples. So not only does Jesus model it, but he commands it. So that's Christ. Second thing I want to talk about is the church. Ephesians 1, through 23, Paul states, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, you know, for the health and the flourishing of Jesus' church, all these different parts are coming together. And it's a part of his body, the church. So if we neglect half of our church, we're neglecting half of the body of Christ. That's just practical. Let's talk about this physically. Think about your eyes. You've got two eyes for vision. If one of them gets an infection, do you just go, no big deal? I've got another one. We're cool. Let that rot and die. No, it's precious and you value it, so you're going to care for it. Now, see, the thing with your eyes is that you have two eyes from two slightly different perspectives united in one skull. And when they're working together in tandem, they give you depth perception. One eye, you can see. Two eyes, you have depth perception. That's the difference in seeing that yellow line and thinking it's a line, and tripping and falling down the steps as opposed to knowing, oh no, that's a drop off, right? You need both working together in tandem, in unity, for greater function and greater purpose. I think about the heart. Your heart has two sides, a right side and a left side. And the right side of your heart pumps blood to your lungs. The left side of your heart pumps blood to your body. Working in tandem, they keep us alive. But what if half of your heart stops working? You die. We're talking about the church. If half of your church is neglected and isn't working, what happens to the church? it dies, right? You start seeing it wither and weaken. So we've got Christ, the church. And now the third reason why I find it really important for us to invest in women and discipling is culture. If you look at women in the role of culture today and what's happening in the future, what do you see as you look at blogs on emerging leaders and business journals, who do you see leading? Who do you see? Women, right? And that trend is only going to continue in the next few years. We're talking every sector from healthcare, to religion, to science, to politics, to arts and entertainment. Women are rising as our leaders. And culturally, we need to invest in them now so that as they become leaders out in society, they are kingdom leaders. They're mobilized for the kingdom, amen? Amen, right? What's also significant is it's not just the workforce, but statistically speaking, women care for our children more often, invest more time in them than men do statistically. And you can't argue that today's children are tomorrow's leaders, right? So we need to help mobilize our women to disciple our children well, so that boy or girl, as they grow up and they're mobilized, they're kingdom leaders as well. You know, we need to invest in our women because of the influence that our women have. Culture though, our culture right now often looks at the church as a hindrance to women, unfortunately, right? What I wanna encourage us is that when I look into the New Testament and I look at women in the New Testament, I see the change there. I see women being loved. I see women being empowered, right? That's what we need to model in the church for the culture. We want to be encouraging and enticing to the culture. We don't need to bend and shift to the culture. We need the culture to say, hey, what's the church doing? Because there's something different there. We need to change the culture from the inside of our church out, right? So that's why I find it important. Christ found it important, our church needs it, and culture is demanding it, right? So I wanna give you just a few practical handles as I finish up today. How do we go about discipling our women well? There's four handles that I'd like to give you, and my husband and I are gonna talk about this a little bit later on Friday at the discipleship.org conference, but I just wanna give you some things that I've learned as I've been discipling women. One of the first things that you can do with discipling, now some of you are terrified of discipling, and some of you do it so well, it's kind of autopilot. It's just how you breathe. It's what you've always done. And sometimes when you're an autopilot, it's hard to break it down. And this is what I'm going to do is help you kind of break it down with some intentional steps that maybe you can even help those people you're discipling turn around and do it too. First phase would be invitation. What did Jesus do? Invited people along. So for me, I just open the invitation. And sometimes it gets asked of me like, hey, would you disciple me? But I'm also going to tell you some things that I've flubbed or mis- done mistakes with along the way to help you as well. What I've learned is that discipleship is a relationship. And just like a relationship, sometimes you can get hurt. You can get burned. You can feel like you get dropped or abandoned. Does that resonate with you guys? Yeah. Yeah. So some things that I've learned that help me avoid some of those pitfalls is three easy things. One, I try to make really clear expectations on the front end. Because what someone may expect of me in discipleship and what I expect of them and what I can give may be different. So we need to clarify that at the beginning. So clear expectations. A second thing is clear goals. My goal for them, really the true marker of growth and discipleship, is I expect them to turn around and be discipling someone else at the end, right? And the third thing for me that's been helpful is a clear end date. Because if they know where we're going, where we're headed, and when we're planning on getting there, when we get there, it's easier to wrap it up. If not, what happens is you've been walking in this intimate relationship of discipleship and then someone feels dropped or abandoned, right? So I've made that mistake. Hopefully that will help you from making some of those pitfalls. So the first part is invitation and invite them in with clear expectations, clear goals, clear end date, and they'll know what they're getting into, right? Second is information. I clearly believe that the Bible renews our minds. It transforms us. But the women that I've been discipling, I've realized what they find transforms them. Can you guys guess what I'm gonna say? They think they're transformed by podcasts, right? They're willing to sit down and gorge on podcast after podcast, 40 minute lectures on a podcast from someone they really don't know. They don't really know the source of their information, but they're not willing to spend five minutes on Jesus' sermon, right? Podcasts all day long, but open my Bible, Oh, that's just too hard. I can't do it. So I'm just very clear up front right now. I just say, hey, after about three months, if you're not into the Word daily, with grace, with grace, right? If you're not in the Word regularly, there's not much I can do to help you because you've got to be in the Word so you'll be sensitive to Holy Spirit when He's prompting you to go and do, and then you'll be obedient. I can't make that happen for you. You have to be doing that. You have to be feasting on the good stuff. Imitation. Imitation. They need to see how the seed of Scripture has taken root in me, how it's grown and matured, and how it's acted out in practical real-life application. Now, for me, what that looks like when I'm discipling women, I have an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a three-year-old, all boys. So in order to get my mind and be fully present with you, often we go and do. So that may look like, hey, come with me while we go to the zoo. My boys are having fun and exploring, and I can dialogue with you. Or it may be, hey, come over at nap time, because that's the only time you'll get my full attention because my children deserve my attention as well. Or hey, come along in a car ride with me. I've got to go pick up the kids from school. Let's spend an hour in the car together and get some quality time. But these opportunities where they come along with me, they actually get to see the gospel worked out in my life. They get to see how I treat other people. They get to see how I navigate tough situations. And they get to see how I disciple my children as I go along. So this imitation only occurs if they have somebody they can watch and see what's going on. It's ta- it becomes tangible, and they feel like, oh, I can move forward and do that as well. The last space is innovation. This is probably my favorite one. What's cool is that you get to teach people and then release them. And the hope is that they would be doing things greater than you could do. Now, for women, there's often an air of competition or comparison with each other, and it's not godly, and we've got to lay it down. What I mean by that is for me, when I'm discipling someone, even my children, like I can only take them so far, and where I take them is my ceiling. It's what I'm capable of. But my ceiling should be their launching pad. It should be their diving board. It's where they take off from. And just like Jesus said, Right, in John 14, 27, surely you will do even greater things than I have done. So the people I'm discipling through the power of the Holy Spirit, renewing of their mind being in scripture, I pray they do way more than I could ever do, right? So why is disciple making important for women? It's not men versus women, it's men and women together. Discipleship's imperative for all of us, for the health of the church for the expansion of God's Kingdom because Christ commands it, the church needs it, and culture demands it.
0: That was uh, Sydney man. she is a strong speaker.
2: She is oh,
1: incredible
0: Yeah she um, I like how she unpacked first how important it is um, not just disciple making, but that women um, are involved in disciple making and and women disciple one another. And then also uh, then at the end, she rolled into like four what I thought really great kind of tools. Um, practical looks at the parts of disciple making, like the invitation, the information, imitation, and innovation. Uh, and we can unpack those in a little bit. But um, man, I, I just I like that. Why is it important? Here's some practical tools, and um, man, it's culturally relevant right now.
2: Yeah, it is. What's cool is listening through people talking about uh, discipling relationships, and then me just kind of looking back on my life, even before I really knew how to disciple people or what that was, you can see it in your life, like through the whole thing. Like that's what my youth pastor was doing when he was like, hey, can you help me clean up chairs and or whatever? Like and he would talk about God with me. He was discipling me. And further back than that, if I think about the first person to disciple me is probably my mother, you know? Like I can think back to times where even as a kid I was uh I just remember being really scared to die. And I was just like, I guess like I said, just realized that I wasn't going to live forever. Like, one thing going to happen to me. And I just remember my mom just pointing me back to my baptism and saying, no, like that was a moment where you accepted Christ. And so you're safe. You, you don't have anything to fear. And it's just beautiful to think back on those moments as, you know, my mom, she was being a great mom and doing a natural thing, but she's also doing a deeper thing there. She was discipling me and Pointing me to Jesus the best way she could, and that's just really cool.
0: Yeah, that reminds me. You know, um, we love at Renew this these perfect complementary roles that mm-hmm. God created us; these gender roles we have. And I think Sydney touches on it at the end, and her and Dave, her husband, um, as partners of Renew. I think they really exemplify how men and women can work together. Um, uh, you know, perfectly the way God created it. And I think about it made me think of how my wife and I disciple our kids, um, and whether it be, you know, at dinner time, we do these devotionals with our kids, but then like, you know, I, I go off to work and, uh, she's with the kids all day. And you know, it is, it's, it's like, I love to hear that your mom poured into you and you, when mm-hmm. you think of disciple making, you think of, you know, some, somebody walking with you. Yeah. Um, and I love this idea that we need to one, uh, emphasize the 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 role of walking with somebody in disciple-making, and then two, emphasize that the generals are important in disciple-making. They're unique and different, but they both uh, partner in making disciples. And that's yeah. what I think Sydney was alluding to there at the end of her talk. Yeah. I was just at an exponential conference uh, like this last week, and talking about disciple making there's a speaker albert tate He was hilarious he's really funny i wish i could tell some of his jokes but i wouldn't do him justice (laughs) but he was talking about the difference in when you go into a supermarket and you say hey like where's the salsa and they go oh it's like three aisles that way and just point you to it and then you're like okay one two three and then it's like is it left or right is there a mexican section here like (laughs) like where is the salsa you're still a little bit lost like even though they've pointed you in the direction And then you go to like a Home Depot and you're like, hey, where's the quarter-inch nails? And they're like, you want to know where the quarter-inch nails are, sir? Let me take you right to the place where there (laughs) are quarter-inch nails. And they'll like walk with you, like holding your hand, right?
1: As a a former Kroger employee, I can testify to that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) And so the point he was making was, you know, there is pointing somebody in the general direction, which is what we do at church on Sunday morning, and then there is Taking somebody by the hand and walking with them on the journey, mm-hmm. and like that's disciple making. And uh, I think Sydney brought that up in um, like like in the imitation part for sure. In that every moment, even when she's riding in the car to pick her kids up, she's thinking about women she wants to disciple and saying, "Hey, you want to ride in the car with me and watch how I interact with people?"
2: Yeah, that's how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So you you've mentioned a little bit about your experience with uh, like women disciple-making and groups you've been in? What What's yeah. kind of been your some of your best experiences with women and disciple-making?
1: Um, well, so yeah, so I've been kind of discipled my whole life um, by my parents. And I have some specific women I can think of who have really poured into me. And so I've been involved with, with tea groups at our church um, and small groups of women. And then also I can see the difference kind of in that and then where I am right now, like at school... It's it's been a lot harder to find, and I've I don't think I realized how important it was um, growing up to have that until now. All of a sudden, it's gone, and I'm really looking for that and trying to find it. Um, it's made a big difference in where I am right now.
0: Ah, oh, that's good.
2: Yeah, it, it's crazy when you don't realize that you're not being discipled or that you might be walking away or falling away until it's like years down the road. You know, mm-hmm. I've shared my story a little bit with Renew off and on, but I was a musician in the Christian entertainment, and you never get plugged into a church. And it was years before I realized the importance of having a mentor, of having a discipling relationship like this. And it was almost too late, you know? Like, by the time I gotten to the point where I realized I didn't have anybody in my life, I was really way off on my like my personal theology, systematic theology, my thoughts about God were just kind of wacky because my discipling relationship was me and four other guys on the same kind of walk of life sharing thoughts and feelings. I had nobody, like you said, mm-hmm. holding my hand going, that's awesome that you feel that way. I understand why you feel that way. But I'm going to let's walk together towards what the Bible says about this or that. You know, it's crazy how when you start to realize, oh my gosh, I don't have that anymore. And that's really affecting everything in my life.
0: Man, those are two great testimonies. It, re, it reminds me to make a little plug here at Renew, we actually have uh, great disciple makers that we use as coaches. And actually, I didn't even think about this before, but Courtney, your mom, Michelle yes. Eagle is actually yeah. one of our coaches, and I've heard, don't take it from me, I've actually heard from um, other leaders that have written books on disciple-making, that lead churches that are disciple-making churches, tell me that Michelle is like a world-class disciple-making woman. And she's one of our coaches. Yeah,
1: my mom, um, she's been really great. And i have it's been really cool getting older because I've seen her do this all my life, but then now that I'm older, I can go on walks with her and she can really explain like what's going on and some of the in-depth um, parts of discipleship. And I can see, see a lot more clearly how she's been investing in others and investing in me. And so definitely recommend that. It's really cool.
0: Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast and you are interested in being a better disciple maker and being involved in a disciple making relationship, one of the things that we do offer at Renew is coaching in disciple making. And this is where we take uh, a church leader. We've done it with elders. We've done it even with lay people that just want to be better disciple makers. Um, and, you know, we coach you through forming a T group or even a one-on-one relationship uh, with people that you want to disciple. And, uh, and we meet a couple times a month. And so let me do it the way that Sydney Clayton did it uh, in the video and unpack it this way. The invitation is if you're interested It's generally, let me give you the expectation, goals, and end date. It's generally a six month period with Renew. You meet a couple times a month. And even if you're not in the same city as some of our coaches, we do it through Zoom or FaceTime. Um, And so it's a six month uh, coaching session where you will form your own T group or one on one discipleship relationship. We give you the curriculum, a coach meets with you a couple times a month. And then uh, you will thereby imitate what they uh, coach you through. Mm -hmm. If you're interested in that, uh, you can reach out to Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A at Renew.org. Just send Melissa a quick email. Let her know you're interested in the coaching. Uh, For male church leaders, we have male coaches. And like I said, we've got a couple of great uh, female coaches. If you are an elder's wife or even just a lay person that uh, wants to get better at your disciple-making efforts.
2: Anything else, guys? Man, I loved her example of the two eyeballs. Do you remember? She's like, you know, right. yeah, like, you, know you cover one of them up, you can still see, but using both of them gives you depth perception. That was such a cool um, example of that. I just love that. It really stuck out to me. Yeah,
0: that's, uh, again, great complimentary gender role example. Like, it just,
2: mm-hmm. what it brought to mind is practically for walking's sake. Like, she said, you might step off a cliff if you don't have depth perception or whatever, but it made me think of like seeing beauty in the world. Like when the two eyes are working together and you have that depth perception, like everything comes to life. You know what I mean? Like, and that's kind of what I've seen in my, in my wife. Um, when I first started working at our church, uh, that was the f- like the first time in probably 10 years, I started receiving one-on-one disciple, what am I trying to say, one-on-one discipling. And um, so I went through the first year with that kind of relationship and then started being in groups and now leading groups and learning about how to make disciples myself. But my wife was kind of watching from the sidelines and she thought it was awesome. I think that kind of like brought up this desire in her. Like, I kind of want to do that. But now seeing her in the last six months being in T groups or in D groups or A to Z groups, whatever they are, she's just like totally changed as a person. And as a Christian, you know, at nighttime where we're getting ready for bed, she's reading her Bible and going, what does Jesus mean when he says this? And what does God, you know, like all these questions and these super rich, deep conversations are happening in our home that hadn't happened in a long time. And so it's cool to have gone through it. I feel different now that I've gone through some of that like intensive at the beginning, But to watch this thing happening to her is so amazing. That's awesome, It's really, really changed her.
0: That was a really deep testimony you just gave. I thought you were going to say that if it weren't for summer, you'd probably step off a cliff.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that too. (laughs) Gotcha. That too. (laughs) Okay.
0: Uh, well, so, guys, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the Renewed Church Leaders Podcast. And Courtney, thanks for being here.
1: Yeah, glad. To.
0: All right. Guys, this is Jason. This is Dave.
1: This is Courtney.
0: Signing out. See you guys.